How you doing, Providence? I hope you guys are doing well at home. Uh, we've settled into a bit of a routine here, uh, unfortunately. Um, I mean, I think that's good because I'm not like peak stress like I have been every week before this uh, has gotten going. And I think Chris was uh, a little more uh, calm this morning as well. So that's always good for both of us. Um, I think we've found a bit of a routine, and maybe you guys have found a routine. Maybe you're sitting in the same spot on the couch where you sit. Maybe you're fighting with the dog on the spot where you want to sit. I don't, I don't know, but uh, my guess is maybe you guys are settling into a bit of a routine, too. And uh, I suppose there's a little bit of, uh, of good to that, but um, I think maybe it's worth remembering that what we're doing here is... Uh, it's really an oxymoron to say that we are we are gathered separately, to say that we are having church at home. Uh, those two things don't really go together, um, and we never intend for them to go together. And I cannot wait until the day where this room is full again, and we are we are truly uh, we are truly the church gathered together. But for now, we're scattered, and this is what we have. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate you guys tuning in every week and, uh, and sitting down and, and doing private home and, and going on along the, um, for, this, for this ride with us. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for being here. And I, I can't tell you how much I, I look forward to just opening God's word and seeing what he has for us every week. Because the reality is I don't, I don't have a lot to say. I, I just want to communicate God's word. And this morning we're going to pick up a bit where we left off uh, last week. We're going to pick back up on the story. If you remember, uh, last week was Easter. We uh, celebrated Easter. We celebrated the idea of the resurrection, and we did it by looking at the disciples and their response to uh, the crucifixion. We saw how that was a massive curveball for them that they did not see coming. They had no idea it was going to happen. And of course, the resurrection was the curveball of all curveballs, and they didn't see that one coming uh, either. But the reality is they probably should have seen both because Jesus said both of those things were going to happen and they just didn't understand and they didn't, they didn't comprehend. And uh, so what, what, what we're doing this week is we're going to go back and we're going to look at some of those same things. We're going to pick back up on uh, the story. And I'll be honest with you, I'd planned on going in a diff- different direction this week. I'd planned on uh, talking about uh, a- another person in the Bible. I'd planned on talking about uh, a totally different thing, but I felt like God was leading me back to the disciples. He was leading me back to talk about them uh, just a little bit more. And so as with all things these days, uh, we just hold on loosely with our plans and we just go, uh, w- we go where God leads us. And so it is this morning and We've been doing this uh, series, Curveball, and I'll be honest with you, whenever I started this series, I told you I had no idea what every week was going to be, and I I meant that, and I still mean that, Uh, but I did have a general idea of, okay, here's, you know, I kind of opened up a notebook and jotted down a handful of different things that we could cover. I, I, you know, could come up with 10 good stories that that the scripture talks about that are curveballs in people's lives that we could kind of cover with each one, and I thought, all right, well, that's that's kind of a, a, a decent outline. We'll, we'll go with that. But uh, as I've kind of been looking at Scripture over the last few weeks through that, um, through that kind of lens with those, those filters on, what I've seen is that uh, this idea of curveball is all over Scripture. I could honestly pick up this book and open to just about any page, and probably what you're going to find uh, somewhere on that page is a story of somebody dealing 
with a curveball, somebody dealing with something they did not see coming, somebody dealing with a life that did not work out the way that they thought it was, thought it would, somebody dealing with uh, where they thought they were going one way, and now they have to go a different way, and they have to adjust to that on the fly. It is all over the pages of Scripture. It is uh, m- maybe uh, one of the overarching themes that covers almost every page in the Bible. The reality is we don't know what's going to happen. It is such a recurring theme on every every page. Uh, People just don't know what to expect. And it's kind of the current theme of what we're dealing with, and it's the theme of scriptures. And so last week we looked at the confusion and the disappointment of uh, the disciples, and, and we saw how we could relate to those guys, how even though we should know better, We don't always respond the way that we should. We don't always understand the way that we should. We don't always do what we should be doing. And we can relate to those guys. We we understand where it is that they're coming from. And 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 just like them, suffering catches us off guard, even though we've been told, hey, you should probably expect to suffer. And what I want to do this morning is I want to stick with those disciples, and I want to focus in on them again, but I want to go back in their story. Instead of looking at the end of their time with Jesus, I want to go back to the beginning of their time with Jesus, and I want to see what it looked like for them when everything began and how really the curveballs with Jesus started right at the beginning and never stopped. So we're going to be in the book of Luke, and then we're going to go over to the book of Matthew. So we'll start in the book of Luke, and we're going to be in chapter 5 of the book of Luke. I'm going to read 1 through 11. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing into him uh, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of uh, Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out uh, of them and were washing their nets, getting into a one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put a little from the land, and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out in the deep and let your nets down for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and we took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking and they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and they filled both, uh, both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Now, that story in and of itself is amazing enough. We could spend a lot of time kind of picking apart some of the things that happened there and looking at Peter's response there. There is all kinds of stuff that we could, uh, we could pick apart. But I just want to uh, focus in on really how unexpected that event would have been for Peter. My guess is when Peter went out that day, he expected to catch some fish. Uh, maybe when you go out fishing, you don't expect to catch fish. You're just going out to be away from everyone else. Maybe some of you guys are like, you know what? I need some full isolation right now, and I'm going to go fishing, and I'll just be away from everybody and really do some social distancing. And you don't plan on catching any fish at all. You may not even throw throw your your bait into the water because you're just trying to get away from people. I I understand that. I get that. Uh, But my guess is Peter, as a commercial fisherman, felt like he knew what he was doing. Uh, And he was going out to catch some fish, and he thought he was going to get some fish that day. 
but he caught none. So to start with, the day's not going well for him, and it's not going exactly how he expected. And so that's a, a curveball enough. Uh, he certainly didn't expect to see the Messiah show up in front of him and tell him to uh, you know, throw his nets on the other side of the boat, and he would have such a haul that he uh, breaks his nets and begins to sink two boats because there were so many fish in the boats. That's unexpected. So uh, Peter's day is definitely going uh, a little bit off schedule. After this experience, though, Jesus had more for Simon. He had more for him to understand and to, uh, to take part of. So starts out crazy enough, he doesn't catch fish. Then he meets the Messiah, catches all these fish. That's crazy, too. Things definitely going off schedule. But then, then Jesus has more. And he looks at Simon, and he looks at those with him, and he says, you know what, put down your nets. You guys are done doing this. I know it's all that you know. I know it's the only way that you provide for your families. I know it doesn't make any sense, but you're done. So put it all away. Come and follow me. Well, when Peter went out fishing that morning, he expected to catch some fish. He didn't expect by the end of the day to walk away from his livelihood, to walk away from the way he provided for his family, to walk away from the family business and the only thing he had ever known in order to go follow some rabbi he had just met. That is a pretty big curveball. That is another just totally unexpected moment that we have just encapsulated in just these few uh, verses. If you read John's gospel, Jesus takes Peter, <clears throat> takes Simon uh, 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 immediately, and he says, not only are you going to come follow me, I'm going to change your name. You're going to go from being Simon to being Peter, from being uh, uh, Simon and how everyone knows you to, I'm going to give you a new name, Peter, which means the rock. Well, that's a pretty big change too. So in one day, you get your career changed and you get your name changed. It would be like, we're just going to start calling Chris Tom now. Come on, Tom, let's go. And that's just what we're going to call him from now on. And that's the way it's going to be, and it doesn't really matter if he wants that or not. That's just what we're going to do. Big change. It's a curveball for you there, Chris. That, that could be exactly how that, that worked. You know, Jesus says, we're going to give you a different name. We're going to give you a different uh, identity. So we're also going to give you a different career. We're also going to completely change the trajectory of your life. Everything that you knew when you woke up this morning is different by the time you go to bed. Well, that's, that's not expected. That's not the direction Peter thought his life was going to go. Now, after all of these curveballs, I think Peter probably still felt pretty good about himself. After all, what he had realized is that Jesus was the Messiah, and there were certain things that came with this idea of the Messiah, and the Messiah had said, you're going to come, you're going to be a part of my crew, and I'm going to call you the rock. That's going to be your name. That's what, how everybody's going to know you. So for Peter, that had to feel pretty like, reassuring like yeah i mean i'm part of this guy's crew and, and 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 i think this is i think this is pretty good so he had to at least be feeling good about himself even if everything had changed i think it's amazing i wonder if you find it amazing too what these guys did i, I don't know how you could not find it amazing a guy walks up to the shore says leave behind everything you've known come follow me and they're like all right see you guys we're, we're off and and he and, and they go now, there's some evidence that maybe they knew each other a little bit before, but certainly not to a level where Jesus could have just walked up and said, all right, now's the time. We've talked about this before. Let's go. This was a new call to these guys, and they walked, and they uh, began to follow Jesus at that point. 
change your name, change your job, walk away from everything, and away they go. So my question that I ask whenever I see that is, if these guys are going to do that, why would they do that? What is it that, that Jesus has that makes them say, you know what, I'm, I'm in on this one. I believe this guy. I think this guy is really, I think he's the real deal. What is it that makes them say, I'm going to walk away from all of this? What did they think they were signing up for anyway? Well, if you read through the Gospels and judging by the way the discussions go throughout the Gospels, they were probably anticipating some religious teachings. But they were also probably anticipating a a, a guy who was ready to pick a fight with Rome who was ready to start a revolution that would reassert Israel instead of being under Rome, but instead would would assert their power and would be over Rome. This was what the Messiah was supposed to do. He was supposed to launch this revolution. And now Peter would have been coming alongside, feeling like he would have been one of the higher-ups within Jesus' crew. He had a nickname. He was going to be part of the, the, the group that kept... That, that helped bring this revolution to the, the Israeli people that would have totally uh, revolutionized everything and, and, and reset everything. He would have been hailed as part of the, 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 the conquering uh, party. It would have been massive. That's what Peter thought he was signing up for. That's what the disciples thought they were signing up for. Now I wonder, have you ever signed up for anything that you had no idea what you were getting yourself into? Like, you signed up for it, and you thought, all right, I'm going to do this thing, and here's what it's going to be, and then whenever you got there, it was, like, totally different. I, I, I want to give you two examples where that happened to me personally. The, the first, I have to go back uh, to high school, and this one just stands out for me because of how completely inadequate uh, I felt. So I had taken chemistry uh, one as a sophomore and felt pretty good about myself in chemistry one. I had, had made a, a high A. I was ready to, to go with this. I was just talking with Emily about this a week or two ago, just thinking about stuff back in high school for some reason. And uh, I had felt pretty good about myself. So for chemistry two, I decided I would sign up for not just chemistry two, but I would sign up for chemistry two AP. I would take the AP version of it, and I would just walk in there, and, and since I made such a high grade with Chemistry 1, all would be well. I had a rude awakening, and I knew it within like 30 seconds. So what had happened is whenever I got into Chemistry 1, I had gotten a totally different teacher uh, that never taught any of the AP classes, and as best I can tell, just didn't teach at all. Uh, I learned more about how to play spades in Chemistry 1 than I did about chemistry. Uh, Became pretty good at spades uh, in high school as well because of that class. And I thought, well, this is easy. I'm just going to knock this out. I got into chemistry too. And within just a couple of minutes, we were reviewing things that I had never seen before. I had no idea what was going on. Uh, But I decided, you know what, maybe it was just a bad day. I'm going to tough it out. I'm going to get through that class. And then uh, the next day I came back to class and we started new stuff and I had no clue what was going on. I was totally lost. And so as soon as that class was over, I realized this is not what I signed up for. This is not going to go the way I thought it was going to go just 48 hours ago. So I'm going to do something different. So I went down to the guidance counselor's office and I said, I need to drop chemistry too. And I need to find something else that is open that I can take. And I can't remember exactly what class it is, but I'm pretty sure I dropped it so that I could take small engine repair. 
I think that's what I went. I went from chemistry two to lawnmowers. I think that's what I did. And uh, no offense to, to Matt. Matt is here running things. Matt, I, I am pretty sure that I got more out of small engine repair than I did, would have chemistry two. So um, I, I learned how lawnmowers work. And I got an A in that class. And all went well for me there. I knew I was out of my depth whenever I was taking that chemistry uh, two class. I could not drop that class fast enough. The second experience that I had like this, and I, I, I'm sure we all have different stories that we can tell, but a few years back, I, I uh, decided to uh, take a class. This was probably, I don't know, six or seven years ago. Uh, I decided to take a class, maybe even a little bit longer than that. Um, I had bought a Groupon for uh, group training at D1 Training. You guys may know what D1 is. It's uh, kind of a workout type place, CrossFit kind of stuff, that kind of thing. Uh, I had decided I was going to I was going to do that uh, at D1, and I was going to show up, and I was going to I, I was going to work out, and I wanted somebody that was going to push me, and I wanted it to be to be hard. I mean, I, I was a high school athlete. I had uh, done some stuff in, in high school, and, and thought of myself as athletic, although like out of shape athletic. But I thought, all right, I can figure this out. Just give me a couple weeks, I'll get my feet under me, and, and all will be well. So uh, I said, I'm going to do this. I signed up, and I thought, you know what, I don't want to be coddled. I want this to be something that is going to really get me into shape. I want to get my money's worth out of this uh, Groupon, which an exercise class with a Groupon, I'm learning probably not the best place to start in the first place. Uh, but uh, I, I signed up, and uh, so I went to this class five days a week. 5.45 a.m. is whenever I was supposed to be there. So I went from running one to two times a week, maybe, then missing a week, and kind of this half-hearted uh, commitment to exercising to 5.45, hardcore, be at the gym, ready to go. I figured if I'm going to go, I'm going to go all out. So let's, let's do it. First day, I walked in, and the girl who was the instructor uh, had arms bigger than mine, not kidding at all, uh, and was an aspiring professional, uh, a pro- uh, professional MMA fighter. That was her goal. She did all the workouts uh, with us, and in about 10 minutes, I knew my life was about to end. Because after 10 minutes of that class, they said, all right, workout's over. I mean, not workout's over. Warm-up is over. I thought workout was over. They're like, no, 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 warm-up was over. I couldn't breathe after the warm-up. I was sucking air, and, and I quickly realized I'm pretty sure I was the only dad that was there. Uh, I'm also pretty sure that everybody that was in this group was recently uh, a college athlete. Like within the last year or two, they were a, a college athlete, either at UT or one of the other local colleges, and they were there trying to continue that level of workout that they had. I was a dad of like a two-year-old, and it showed really, really bad. Um, This was apparently an advanced group that I had signed up for, and I missed that somewhere in the uh, the, the logistics of that. And so I got through the the warm-up, and then I went for about 10 minutes uh, after that, uh, and then the the part of the workout came out, and and what they said that we were going to be doing was uh, bear crawls followed by a partner workout with wheelbarrows, and I knew I'm in trouble. This is where things were about to get bad, because it's hard enough for me to do those exercises no matter what. It's really bad when you're dependent upon a partner. 
Uh, and the way that this was all set up is that it would be like a competition of everybody that was going. And so I'm thinking, it's one thing for me to embarrass myself alone. It's another thing if I'm now going to have a partner that is going to have to be embarrassed by working out with me and lose badly in this little competition that we were getting ready to do. So we started out, we did the bear crawls. I got through those. I was dying. I couldn't feel my arms. I couldn't do anything. And then it was time to go to the wheelbarrows, which is you go down uh, just on your, your arms like a, like a push-up, and then people grab your legs, and you're supposed to go down to one end of the field and back. I think it was a 60-yard field. You're supposed to do that like several times, and this was supposed to be a, a race. Uh, I got about halfway down the field and my arms just stopped working. I was like, yeah, like it just, they weren't going to work anymore. I went down, my face went into the turf. Uh, I got like a little carpet burn on the side of my face. I got a mouthful of that like ground up tire that's in the turf. I mean, it was bad. So that was bad enough, but the person behind me was used to going with people that were fast. And so they didn't stop as fast as I did. And so they just kind of drove me into the ground uh, while I was there. And when I was done, I just rolled over and I looked at them and I was like, we're done here. There's nothing else. You're going to have to find somebody else. Uh, We're done. This is not what I thought I signed up for. I thought I signed up for something hard. I didn't think I signed up for death. And that's where I'm at right now. So I knew that I had signed up for the wrong thing. I had, I had managed to get my face driven into the turf. It was awful. I was embarrassed. Uh, I was way out of my depth. And uh, th- that happens sometimes in life, right? You get put into positions that you did not intend to get in. Even though you signed up for it, you just get put in this place and it's like, what am I doing here? This is not where I belong. This is not what I thought I was, I was coming here for. I was coming for a good workout, and instead I got absolutely humiliated. Uh, I, I then left that class and said, do you have like a, a dad's class like, that I could be a, be a part of? And they're like, yeah, why don't you come in at 7? I'm like, that sounds great. I'll come in at 7, and, and that was a little more my speed. I was still like struggling, but I, I could at least pretend to keep up with them. Um, and that's what I ended up doing, and that was a little bit better. Well, those experiences, I, I think, I, I would love to go back and, and talk to Peter, but I, I think maybe Peter could relate to me just a little bit. If you turn to Matthew chapter 5, turn over to uh, Matthew chapter 5, and what you get at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5 is the Sermon on the Mount. And at the beginning of the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, you've got some pretty interesting teaching that's going on there. And I just want to read the, the, the first few verses. It's what we know as the Beatitudes. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets 
who were before you. I would love to have been there when Jesus started teaching this. To, to, to have been there, I mean, obviously, I would love to have been there just to, to be sitting under Jesus' teaching. But even if you, 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 put the, you take the sound off and you just pan the camera over to the disciples, I would love to have seen the disciples' reaction whenever Jesus starts teaching. Just kind of zooming in on Peter's face while Jesus starts saying these things. I've talked through these Beatitudes a couple of different times now, and every time that I do it, it's driven home more and more to me how, how profoundly absurd what Jesus is saying must have come across to these guys. This is right at the beginning. There's almost no teaching that, that is recorded here from Jesus prior to this. This is his first kind of extended time of teaching, probably happened over a, a couple of different days that he was doing the Sermon on the Mount. And this is the first time where Jesus is really explaining, this is what I'm doing here. This is what it's going to look like here. And we don't have their full reaction, so I'll be the first to tell you this is a little bit of uh, speculation, but I'd, I'd almost bet my house that these guys are sitting there listening to Jesus, and they're like, okay, okay, do what? What are you talking about? What am I doing here? What have I signed up for? Like the more Jesus keeps going, I just wonder if these guys are not like, what are you talking about, Jesus? This is not, I, I, I followed you because you're the Messiah, but what you're saying doesn't sound anything like what the Messiah is supposed to be saying to me. There, there's got to be something I'm, I'm missing here, Jesus. There's got to be something you're, you're not, I, I, don't, I don't understand what I'm, what I'm hearing. This is not, this is not at all what I signed up for. I mean, they show up and they're like, I'm here to, to, to learn. I've left my boat. I've left my business. I left my family. And this is what I left for, this kind of manby, pamby, weak, half, like, just, it doesn't sound like the kind of teaching a revolutionary would be doing. It just sounds like this kind of weak stuff. I, I, I have to imagine that Peter's like, I'm not here to be meek. I didn't, I didn't follow you so I could be meek. I'm not here to be hungry. I'm not here to be merciful and poor in spirit. I'm here to reign. I'm here to rule. I'm here to, to take things over alongside the Messiah. And especially the last two of the Beatitudes here. I gotta imagine that just bristled against these guys. Blessed are the peacemakers and the persecuted. That's not what they signed up for. They came to make war, not peace. And they certainly didn't sign up to be persecuted. They signed up to be the persecutors, to be the rulers, the reigners. And now they have Jesus in here saying, be poor in spirit, be merciful, be peacemakers be persecuted? That doesn't make any sense. I don't think it for a second that that is what those guys signed up for. Those last two had to be just like me kind of collapsing into the, the, the turf that day, just all that ground up tire getting shoved all up in my face and just, you know, carpet burn on the side of my face. That's what I had to feel like to those guys. Like, are you kidding me? That is not why 
I am here. Meek and this is not what they thought they were getting. And this is not what anybody in Israel was expecting out of a Messiah. We talk about this at Christmas a, a lot. When, when a king comes, you don't expect him to be wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger, and shepherds the only one to herald his birth. You expect there to be a, a, a massive trumpet blast from a royal court that says, welcome the king. But that's not what happens when Jesus shows up. It's the lowliest of the lowly that know about it and that celebrate him. And now you get this Jesus that once he starts his ministry, that whole kind of theme just continues. Pursuing peace, being poor in spirit. This was not the the Messiah that Israel was looking for, and I don't think it was the one that Peter was looking for either. If you read through the Gospels, you can see time after time, Peter's like, no, 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 Jesus, this is not how this needs to work. And Jesus says, it's fine, Peter, I got this. All the way to where you get to the end, whenever Peter cuts off the the ear of the Roman soldier, and it's like, all right, let's go. If you're going to come arrest Jesus, now's the time. And Jesus says, my kingdom's not of this earth. My kingdom is a kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says, if my kingdom were of this earth, I, I would have you fight, but it's not, so we're not going to fight. Peter it still doesn't get it even further along into Jesus' ministry. I wonder how you would have handled that moment if you had heard that teaching. I wonder how I would have handled that moment if I had heard that teaching. That couple of days on the side of the mountain. I can't answer that. I don't know. It's a hypothetical, but it's, it's worth just kind of thinking through. What I do know is that the older I get, the more comfortable I need to be with the fact that Jesus is not going to ask me to do things that, that, uh, that are easy. What I do know is that the older that I get, I know that Jesus is going to uh, call me to do things that I had not planned on, and I need to really get used to that. God is going to have me go through things that I never wanted to go through. And he's going to ask me to let go of dreams and goals and plans that I had built in my heart for a very, very long time. And I know when that moment comes, my reaction is most, more often than I would like for it to be, it is less than gracious and less than appreciative. I know that God's going to call me to do things I didn't expect. I know he's going to put me in situations I never wanted to be in. I know I'm going to have to deal with things that were not in my blueprint, that were not in in my roadmap that I had put together. And far too often in the past, my response has been probably, my assumption is similar to what what Peter's would have been, what the disciples would have been. Like, what, what are we doing here? This doesn't make any sense to me. And don't misunderstand me, there's an appropriate place to lament when a dream or a plan has to be cast aside and when it, when it dies, but that lament has got to be one that's rooted in faith, that, that God's way is better than my way, that yes, this is sorrowful for me, yes, this is sad, yes, I wish this other thing had happened, but I will trust God in the midst of this. But I confess that far too often, my lament is not rooted in any sense of faith, but in a sense of pride. I'm so often convinced that I know what is best for me and that God would do a lot better if he would just listen to me. 
Yet here it, it, he, he stands in front of me and he says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. My pride says, listen to me, this is how it should go. And Jesus says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are meek and who are humble. Blessed are those who, who hunger and thirst for the kingdom of God. Blessed are hunger and thirst for righteousness, for theirs will be the kingdom of God. My problem, though, is that I don't want the kingdom of God. I want the kingdom of me. That's what I want. And I want to be the sovereign ruler of that kingdom. I want to be the one that's in control. And I want to be the one that's calling the shots. And God will let me do that if I want. I can be the tiny king of a tiny kingdom. That's an option that's out there for all of us. We can all be the tiny king of a tiny kingdom. And most of the world, their lives are built around that pursuit. To be the tiny king. But God wants us to see there's a much, much, much bigger kingdom out there. It's his. And that that kingdom can be ours. That we can take part in that kingdom. That we can leave our tiny ones behind. And we can take hold of his and be a part of his. It's just not going to look quite like we had expected it to. So what about you this morning? Which kingdom has your attention? Which kingdom is it that you are pursuing? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Or are you really just kind of okay seeing yourself and doing your own thing? Are you looking to rule your own territory and to shape your own kingdom to your liking? Or have you heard the call of Jesus that demands that we lay down our tiny crowns so that we can take up his cross in its place? That we should share in his sufferings. Because that's the call of discipleship. That's what it means to be a Christian. That we have taken off our tiny crowns so that we can instead endure with Christ. Or maybe that's you this morning. You've done that. You've laid down your crown only to find that the kingdom of God now looks very different than you thought it would. Like the disciples, you're confused. You're looking for answers. Rest assured, you're in good company. Because the reality is, God doesn't do things that make sense to any of us. Because he doesn't see things the way that we do. He has a bigger fuller picture in mind. God operates in a grand story. We operate in a small snapshot. And yet we're convinced with that small snapshot, we should be able to tell God, this is better because I can see this little piece. And God says, I can see the whole story and I'm working in you. You know, at the beginning of the sermon, I told you that you could 
you could open up the Bible and you could, you could find a story on almost every page that would look like this, that would be some measure of a curveball thrown to someone. Stories where people are caught off guard, where life takes an unexpected turn, where life doesn't work out how you had planned. It's funny to me how prevalent that, that theme is in Scripture. One that I've seen before but never noticed just how much it kind of it sits right beneath the surface of every story. It's something that should have probably been driven home in our heads to this point, but it just isn't. We constantly think we know what's supposed to happen next, what the next page of the story holds, but we never do. We never do. Isn't that funny, though, that for most of us, our entire lives revolve around that one premise, trying to predict or to know what's going to happen next, and then hedging against all the different kind of possible outcomes that are out there. We build our hedges and our security blankets and our retirement funds, and we carefully weigh every pro and every con of every decision. Now, don't misunderstand. There's wisdom in that. There's wisdom in in doing all of those things, and I don't want to dismiss those things. But the reality is that none of us know what tomorrow will bring. We didn't before this virus hit. We won't long after this virus is gone. We just don't know what's next. We don't know what tomorrow brings. But if we are His, God has a journey for each of us ahead. A journey that has been tailor-made for us to draw us closer to Him. If we are in Christ, we have a journey before us that He has crafted to bring us closer to Him. And we would do well to trust that journey in His hands and to follow Him as closely as we can. Now, we have no idea what's on that journey. We don't know what it looks like. Only that God promises it will be brutally hard. Oftentimes confusing. Almost never expected. But unparalleled in its rewards. That's the journey we have before us. For in this journey we will suffer. Jesus tells us as much. We will have to have our values redefined when we move from the kingdom of me to the kingdom of God. We will suffer. We will have our values redefined. We will walk through things we would have never chosen for ourselves to walk through. But the outcome of that is eternal life. That Christ, as we sang this morning, will hold us fast through all of that. There's nothing that can compare to that. We don't know what to expect. We, do, we don't know what this afternoon brings, let alone tomorrow, let alone two weeks from now, ten years from now. We don't know. We would do well to follow Christ in all of it. To be poor in spirit. To be humble. And to say, I don't know what's next, God, but I'm going to trust you on this journey. 
Man, that's hard. Man, that's so hard. But we know that we can go back to last Sunday and what we celebrate again this Sunday, the resurrection of Christ. And we can know that even in the most unexpected of moments, God is at work and he's working in us and through us. There is no journey that can compare. My prayer for you is that you would go on that journey, that you would lay down that tiny crown of your tiny kingdom and you would come and you would embrace something different. You would turn from your sin. You would turn from the, the, the desire to rule your own life and instead you would follow Christ. You would know him. I'd love nothing more than to be able to talk to you about that journey. And Providence family, there's nothing I love more than being on that journey with you. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for this journey. There have been a lot of days here recently where I say that that prayer in faith, not, not in the reality of the circumstances around me. I say thank you for this journey because I trust you whenever you tell me the end of this journey is that I will know you better and I will be more like you if I follow you. I don't say thank you for this journey because it's fun or it's easy, because it never is. I don't say thank you for this journey because I know what to expect and I know where the path will lead me, because I never have. But I say thank you in faith that you know all of those things. And you know far better what is good for me than I do. And I will trust you in that. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.